The Adam Crowley Show. Hello, Hey, I'd like to place an order for pickup, please. What's that, sir? Can I place an order for pickup, please? Everything's done at the window, sir. At the window? Yes, sir. It's fast food service. That's funny. I thought the flyer's window closed. <laughs> Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Ovi scored two goals last night as the Capitals beat the Jackets to move on to play the Penguins for the third year in a row. Penguins fans are cocky. Ovechkin says he can't wait. Let's start this thing! Preferably on Saturday so Malkin and Haglin can rest up. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of Broadway's Grease and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Chris Adamski, he of the Trib, tweeted this out yesterday. Quote, five Stanley Cups, five times going through Washington to get there. Half of the Penguins' capital's ten playoff meetings have featured that year's eventual Stanley Cup champion. Zero times was it the Capitals. Penguins have won nine of ten series. End quote. Yeah, I know that, and I know the Capitals have never made it out of the second round of the playoffs with Alex Ovechkin, and I know that Barry Trotz has never guided a team out of the second round of the playoffs. He's a lame duck head coach. Sure, there are ghosts of girlfriends past, but... Come on. Sure, that's been a factor for Washington. They admitted to a man almost last year that they were nervous in Game 7 after the Penguins took the lead, but... If you just look at the hockey, the last two series might have been but a bounce or two away from going the other way. The Penguins and Capitals are far closer in terms of talent than I think y'all realized. The Capitals won game one in overtime in 2016. They tend to do that. They've won eight of ten openers against the Penguins in the playoffs thus far, even though they're one and nine in the series. So, game two, Eric Fair scores off of a Malkin feed, and the Penguins win 2-1. to one. If they don't win that game, if they don't get the bounce off of Eric Fair's stick, it's 2-0 Washington, and the entire series is different. Next game, Capitals outshot the Penguins 49-23. Penguins won, though, somehow, 3-2. I hopped on the press box elevator and went downstairs when it was 3 nothing, and when we popped the TV on, rubber raggy, Penguins easily could have lost that game. They didn't. You need breaks. You need luck. They won. Penguins won game four in overtime to make that a 3-1 series lead. Hornquist with the game winner. Again, it's overtime. If the Penguins lose that game, if the Capitals put one behind them, it's sudden death. Guess what? We've got a 2-2 series, and things are different. Capitals won game five, 3-1 behind Braden Holpe playing out of his mind. And then, of course, in game six, Nick Benino had the overtime game winner, but the Penguins blew a 3-0 lead in that one. The uh, Penguins didn't play well enough to close that game out, yet they did eventually close that game out. That could have gone 7, and yes, I know the history. Washington in Game 7, particularly at home, does not go well for them, especially when they're playing the Pittsburgh Penguins, but anything can happen in a Game 7. Anything. Hell, last year, Ottawa took the Penguins to double overtime and we all know Ottawa wasn't good. They didn't make the playoffs this year because they're not good. It was a system thing. Anyway, 2016 could have gone either way. The Penguins were 
the best team in hockey. They won the Stanley Cup going away from that point forward, but Washington gave them all they could handle. Last year, game one, Crosby scored twice. Marc-Andre Fleury was dynamite at the end. The Penguins won 3-2. to two. Could have gone either way. Penguins win game two despite getting outshot 36-24. to 24. Could have gone either way. In game three, Crosby's head got broken, and then Shattenkirk won it in overtime. That could have gone the opposite way. The Penguins could have won that game and been up 3-0. Didn't happen. It's 2-1. to one. Penguins win game four to go up 3-1. to one. Crosby didn't play. Hell of a lot of guts from the Penguins. But after that, the Penguins got bitch-slapped. They got spanked. And then, of course, game seven happened. And I've said that the Capitals butts puckered in that game. And to a man, as I mentioned before, they said it was a factor. The Penguins are in their heads. Barry Trotz didn't want to have it, but the rest of the players said, yeah, we were thinking about it. But would that have been the narrative had Ovechkin's one-timer not hit Marc-Andre Fleury's shaft? That's not about nerves. That's about luck. That's about accidentally poor shot placement. It's not about the ghosts of Penguin series past. It's not about anything other than what happened, which was Marc-Andre Fleury's stick smacking away, luckily, the Alex Ovechkin shot. I thought the Capitals were the better team in the series last year. I thought the Capitals were just as good as the Penguins two years ago. The margin between these two teams is very thin. Pittsburgh came out on top both times. But Penguins fans absolutely should not be happy about playing the Capitals. And here's the deal. A lot of you are. A lot of you think this is going to be an easy series. I posted on my Twitter account a poll. Who's going to win the series? Penguins or Capitals? And 85% of y'all are saying Pittsburgh Penguins. Are you that cocky about your Penguins? Or are you just not believing in the Capitals at all? I'm sure it's a little bit of column A and column B. But you shouldn't be happy to play this team. The Blue Jackets would have been a much better matchup for the Penguins. The Blue Jackets were weak down the middle. And over the last month, they found themselves trailing in games a bunch Plus, Bobrovsky's never played well in the playoffs and was never able to solve the Penguins. You could say the same thing about Washington, but Bobrovsky showed some cracks in that series. The Capitals, not so much this year. Not yet. I feel like a lot of Penguins fans wanted to see Washington solely based on playoff history. I don't think that means junk right now. I don't think it does. The Penguins have their own problems. And sure, so do the Capitals, but they're a really good hockey team. They lost some of the guys who were on their bottom six, and they've replaced them with new players like Devontae Smith-Pelly, who's black and scores goals in the playoffs. That's badass. They're a different team. They've got a different roster construction. Core is still the same, but their core is pretty darn good. Jesse Marshall joins us at 420 to break down the Washington Capitals. Here's a big freaking issue. The health of Carl Hagelin and Evgeny Malkin. I think Haglund's suffering from a concussion, although Mike Sullivan didn't come out and say that, and beat writers have said, if it's a concussion, usually Mike Sullivan's going to tell us. Eh, is he really, though, in the playoffs? Because I felt like Hornquist had a concussion earlier on in the Flyers series, and they never told us that. 
He got his dome smacked by Claude Giroux and his face exploded. But dudes come back from their faces exploding a lot. I imagine it's a concussion. I'll play doctor. I'm a radio host. It's what we do. If Haglin is out, the Penguins are going to miss a great playoff performer and a guy who can make the Capitals pay with his speed. He's one-third of their second line. Oh, yeah, and then there's this other dude named Evgeny Malkin, who the Penguins need to play to win this series. Uh, That's one thing Penguins fans are overlooking here. Oh, it's Washington. doesn't matter who plays. Crowley, you could play. We'll beat him there, Washington. Don't you see it right there? It says Washington. Yeah, the Capitals are deep down the middle. They've got Nick Backstrom. He's one of the best centers in the league, one of the best setup guys in the league. Kuznetsov was maybe the best player that they had in the series last year. Then they've got Lars Eller, who's a pretty damn good third-line center. The Penguins are better than anybody in the league at that position. The second most position in hockey. The center position. They go four deep. But without Malkin, they are far easier to defend on the power play. And it takes some sting out of the second line. The Penguins got Broussard, obviously, to help him out in this very scenario. But Backstrom's a better player than him. The matchup that the Penguins so desperately rely on in every series would shift towards the Capitals without Geno being in the fold. And that my friends, is a big effing issue. I know Jason Mackey said <clears throat> on the program yesterday that Mulgan's playing game one. I saw him walking around in the dressing room with Philly Ashnorn. He didn't look noticeably affected. No limp? Uh, no limp? Tell me there was a limp. No, no I didn't see a limp. It yeah! Yeah! <laughs> oh, that means he's playing game one in the, the semifinals. Breaking news, although today... At least a handful of Penguins beat writers tweeted out that Malkin was walking around. No cast, no brace, but he did have a little bit of a limp. No. I know. No. I know. How severe was the limp? Little so just limp. Just like a minor limp? Tiny a little limp. A okay. little limp. Like I just stubbed my toe or stepped on a Lego limp. <laughs> That's a relief. Could be a lot worse. Could be a big limp. Couturier wasn't limping. That guy tore his MCL. If Couturier plays with a torn MCL and Malkin doesn't, trade him. Blow the whole thing up. There's a very real possibility Malkin's not going to play, at least for a portion of this series. And when you don't have him, one of the top five players in the National Hockey League, your margin for error is not quite going to be there. And if you lose a game because he's not there in a series that we already expect to go seven games or six games, well, you got to start swinging the pendulum over to Washington's side, don't you? I'm, and here comes the kicker, not going to pick Washington to win this series because I haven't seen Washington beat the Pittsburgh Penguins in my lifetime. It's like me picking the Steelers to beat the Patriots. I'm not going to do it until I see it with my own two eyes. But it's certainly a possibility. And that's the only reason I'm not going to pick them because I think that right now they might be the better team. Did the Penguins find out that they're a better team on the road than we all thought in this first-round series against Philadelphia? The Penguins won 17 road games this year. That's bad. Not good. Not good at all. The Penguins spanked the Flyers in the Wells Fargo Center going 5-0, and and the Penguins beat them three times in the playoffs. So the Penguins now have 20 road wins, five of them coming in Philadelphia, which means 15 everywhere else.
Have the tables turned, though, after the playoff series? The Penguins were 1-1 one and one in Washington this year and have fared well in their playoffs the past two springs, going 4-3. and three. And they're going to have to win at least one game on the road to win this series against Washington. Now, the Jackets won the first two at the Verizon Center in Round 1. Penguins will need to replicate the success. I like the Penguins starting on the road, though. I do. Because all they have to do is find a way to win one game, and then they can come back to Pittsburgh with Washington starting to feel that pressure a bit. Penguins are 9-1 and in series against Washington all time, and the Capitals are 8-2 and in game ones. But if the Penguins do have the mental edge, then getting one early would be a huge, huge deal. FYI, I'll be anchoring some draft coverage on Friday from 9 until midnight. No promises on me being sober. I'll be at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. Our coverage begins Thursday at 7 on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. I got asked by a national ESPN radio show, Fitz and Fitzsimmons or Freddie and Fingo or something, to take part in a mock draft last night, and, well, here's what happened. Adam Crowley from the Crowley Show on 970 ESPN in that city is going to make the Steelers pick at number 28. Adam, who are the Steelers taking at number 28? Oh, guys, I hate myself for doing this. I really do. But the way that this wound up setting up, I think the Steelers would be crazy not to take Josh Allen here. Uh, I am totally anti the Steelers taking a quarterback because I think you got to do everything you can to win with Ben Roethlisberger right now. But Josh Allen's going to be there. Why not take Josh Allen? So I think that the Steelers would run to the microphone if you were available at 28 because I think they look at him and they say, maybe he's Ben Roethlisberger. He's got size, got a good arm, and he's not from a big college. I think that reminds a lot of people of Ben Roethlisberger. That is the extent of my draft knowledge. He's big, he's white, and he did not go to a big school. Bam! He's Ben Roethlisberger. I hate myself. When they called me to ask if I'd be down to do this, I had just picked up my dog's poop, and my thumb was out of the bag. So I was dry heaving. They told me they'd call me back in a minute or two. I had to figure it out on my smartphone who was left and who was value. So I did what any broadcaster would do with my wealth of knowledge. I called Dale Lolly to steal his pick. Then I looked up a couple of safety targets that could be around at 28, and boom. Did they give any thought to maybe about a secondary guy if they decided not to take Josh Allen? Yeah, I think that Jesse Bates might be a little bit of a reach, free safety, but the Steelers can absolutely use help there. I've seen a lot of people mock corners there. It depends on the value, certainly. I think the best value here would be Josh Allen, but beyond that, uh, I do think the Steelers need help at that free safety position. They got a couple of guys who could both play in the box. Morgan Burnett, who they brought over from the Packers, and then they've got Sean Davis, who was their second-round pick from Maryland a couple of years ago. Uh, at corner, I think they're better than a lot of people give them credit for. I think their biggest problem last year was at safety, and I think if they were able to go out and get Jesse Bates, they'd feel pretty comfortable about having a center fielder there. Jesse Bates, how many interceptions in his career at Wake Forest? Go. 69. So close. It was six. You got the first oh. part right. <laughs> That's how you mock, suckers. But I'm sure each of the 32 other people that were in this draft did exactly the same thing. Probably sands the dog poop on their thumb. I've never seen these guys play. I am a radio host. Why the hell do you care what I think about Vander Esch? What the hell do you care what I think about Rashawn Evans? I don't know if this guy's good or not. I have no idea. I just throw a few buzzwords in there and talk about what I already know about the Steelers. Morgan Burnett, 
John Bostic. Uh, they just did the fifth-year option with Bud Dupree. Uh, this guy could play center field. It's safety, right? So you just look to see if he's free or strong, and then you determine whether or not he can bring the pain with the sledgehammer or he's a center fielder. And this guy, what's his name? Jesse Bates the third is a center fielder. And I think that this guy can be a big star tur in the National Football League. Matt Williamson actually knows things. He'll join us at 520 for our first draft segment of draft season. Up next, though, it's Penguins Capitals for the third year in a row in round two. Jesse Marshall joins us to discuss. It's the Crowley Show. I'm in the studio with Bill Cameron, and if you didn't know, this is Richard Bazzi for Schultz Ford. They know. They do? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Yeah. They do. Yeah, they true. should not listen to me. This is not a commercial, so if, if you, you want a commercial, you can turn off the radio. This is not a commercial. Bill, what's your new kitten's name? Kenzie. Kenzie the kitten. Kenzie the kitten. That's so cute. I'm Richard Bazzi, Schultz Ford. I'm not Kenzie the kitten. <laughs> SchultzFord.com Adam, what do you think of Vander Esch, though? Oh, man, he can run sideline to sideline. He's like a Ryan Shazier light, really brings the wood, really has a high motor. He wraps people up. Great form when he's tackling. This guy can be the next mainstay for the Pittsburgh Steelers from Boise State for maybe the next 10 years at inside linebacker. Come on, he's no Johnston Ernest. I have been doing nothing. Nothing but NFL draft prep for the last six months. So if you want to know anything about this draft, you give me a ring. 412-922-2874. Any player in the draft that's on Mel Kuyper's big board of 300, I will answer a question about 412-922-2874. More on the draft in a little bit. We're joined now by Jesse Marshall from The Athletic. He knows a thing or two about pucks. Hello, Jesse. How are you? Good, Adam. How are you? Delightful. Jesse, Penguins fans are feeling very confident going into this one. Did they not realize just how easily the last two series could have gone the other way? Yeah. I mean, they still have these moments uh, where they just check out. Um, defensively, uh, I think in puck pursuit, uh, I think that uh, you look at the first period of a couple of those games against Philadelphia, and it took them a while to find their way. Um, they, they That's what's that's what's the concerning piece to this. And, and the farther you go in the playoffs, the better the teams get. Uh, you look at Washington right now, guys like T.J. Oshie and Alex Ovechkin are, are on tears. Uh, you give them time and space. If you don't mark them correctly, uh, if you, you keep having those defensive hiccups, sooner or later they're going to burn you. Um, and, and the Penguins, although I thought they were much better against Philadelphia, I thought that they shored a lot of those problems up. Uh, they still reared their ugly heads you know, from time to time. they got to start erasing those a little bit. Yeah, there's no question about that. How good is Washington? Because I think most people think, oh, they lost a lot in the offseason, and they're not wrong when they say these kinds of things, but I still think they're a really good hockey club. Yeah, they are, and, and, and in a lot of ways, they're, they're not that dissimilar from the Penguins in the way that they like to play. Uh, I think that uh, they, they attacked about as well as anybody in the National Hockey League this year, and although they did just lose Andre Barakovsky, uh, might not be available for this series at all. Uh, although they did just lose him, and that's a big loss, uh, they still have horses at the top of the lineup. Uh, you know, I, it, it, it's crazy to me to think that, that you can almost negate 
a line that has Alex Ovechkin on it uh, or, or a Backstrom and Oski combination just by proxy of how good Sidney Crosby's been. Uh, but that's the reality of the Penguins. So uh, I, I think the things that, that Washington are good at, the Penguins are as good at, if not better. Uh, and I think the, the secret key to this series, Adam, is how, uh, how um, loose the Washington defense has been, uh, allowing a ton of shots and a ton of scoring chances uh, at, at a much higher clip than we've become accustomed to from that team. And if they do that against the Penguins, uh, they could be in trouble. Yeah, that's exactly where I want to go with this. And Jesse Marshall from The Athletic joins me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, they've got some pylons back there, do they not? Brooks Orpik's numbers this year, yikes oh, mama, and, and juice... I mean, he's just a guy, right? So is that the biggest advantage that the Penguins are going to have is that the Capitals have some, uh, for lack of a better phrase, clown shows back there? Yeah, the Capitals, uh, and I think this is, again, something different that we've seen from them in the previous iterations of this team have tried to hide their their fourth line and their third defensive pairing a little bit. Uh, and it's not to say that they're not rolling four lines at them. I think they're just not doing it to the level that we've become accustomed to from them over the course of the last two years. And you're likely going to see uh, Connor Sherry, uh, Derek Broussard, and Brian Rust uh, lining up against uh, Brooks Orpik and, uh, and Christian Juice. And I, I personally believe that Chad Ruedel for the Penguins has been better than Juice has for the Capitals. Um, that, that's a testament to, to A, Chad Ruedel, and to B, how poor that third pairing has been. Uh, and, you know, this is the time of year where you just expect Derek Broussard to make his mark. And if that's the matchup he's going to get, you have to feel pretty confident about him doing it in this series. Yes, and the hope is that you've got Evgeny Malkin playing on the second line and you can try to take advantage of matchups that way. I've really liked what we've seen from that quote-unquote third line of the Penguins that you were just referring to, Broussard and Sherry uh, and, uh, of course, Brian Rust. It looked like Connor Sherry had a million scoring chances uh, the other night. Uh, he certainly put himself in a position. Now, if he could finish, that'd be great. But I like that matchup, uh, just like you said, as one that could take advantage of what Washington's putting out there. Maybe not to the level of the HBK line uh, a couple of years ago, but I think that they're hoping for something similar. Well, it's a line you're confident in the point. Uh, I think that's what's important. and I, I think anybody... Uh, the, the, you know, in that Penguins coaching staff is well aware of the process involved here. Uh, and, and as you said, I mean, Connor Sherry has just been relentless on the puck. And he's gotten a lot of gruff for not finishing, um, you know, the, the, the scoring chance he had in game six against the Flyers uh, to the right side of Michael Neuver. And just unbelievable that that puck did not make it into the net. It was a wide open cage. Uh, sometimes those are the breaks. Uh, and I think it, the concern becomes having those scoring slumps, Adam, when you're not also simultaneously generating scoring chances, that's not been the case for that line. Right. They've been controlling the play of the game. And, and if you can roll out a third line that constantly is controlling the play of the game, you've won uh, when you have a guys like Crosby and Malkin in your top six. Gensel, Crosby, Hornquist versus Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, and Wilson. Holy crap, that's going to be fun. There's going to be a lot of shenanigans, Adam. A lot uh, Tom Wilson is going to do Tom Wilson things. Um, and, and if Patrick Hornquist can continue to just do the thing that he loves to do the most, which is go to the front of the net and make friends really quickly, Tom Wilson's going to take stupid penalties. Tom Wilson took stupid penalties against Columbus uh, and has been rewarded with more ice time. So I really don't see that changing. Uh, I think Tom Wilson is the key to that top-line matchup, A, because uh, for as good as he is on the penalty kill from time to time, Adam, playing 
at even strength and full speed against Jake Gensel and Sidney Crosby is a whole nother can of worms. And I don't know that he's got the horses to do it. I think he's been a little bit of a liability from time to time. And I think that's a matchup Sidney Crosby's kind of licking his chops at a little bit. Without Evgeny Malkin, if he were to not play, and we really have no idea what's going to happen at this point. We just don't. If it's Kuznetsov, Backstrom, and Lars Eller, do you like that three center, those three centers better than Crosby and Broussard and Shane? Yeah, I do. Uh, well, I, 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 it's a draw. I think you can call it a wash. I think, I think if Malkin can't go at him, you have to entertain the possibility of playing Sidney Crosby against that Backstrom line. Because I, I think it even strength. The Oshi unit is the unit that makes the Capitals go. And that's the unit that can elongate offensive zone time. Um, that was the unit that really hemmed the Blue Jackets in regardless yeah. of what John Tortorella did. So I, I think if you don't have Evgeny Malkin, you're probably going to want to try to get that matchup with your Mike Sullivan and shift you know, Crosby down to their pseudo 1B line. Uh, but the great news there is, is, is at the end of the day, both Riley Shane and Derek Broussard, I think, are so responsible defensively and have proven that throughout the course of the year that you, you could probably, if you're Mike Sullivan, confidently throw one of them out there in a tougher matchup against maybe uh, you know, an Ovechkin line and, and not have to really worry about it all that much. Um, you, know, you, you probably not, might not get the offense out of, the, you, out of that situation that you wanted, but if you can just limit them, uh, again, you know, the, the Penguins' depth, uh, you know, it's going to give you multiple scoring chances and multiple opportunities to get goals otherwise. The Capitals roll guys out there like Chandler Stevenson, Brett Connolly, Devontae smith Pelly. There are a lot of new faces from the last time that these two teams played in the playoffs, which was only, uh, hell, 350, I think, days ago. What do you think of some of those guys? What do you think of their role players? Uh, they're energy guys. They're guys that can skate and can get on the puck. I think in that sense, that's what makes this series so entertaining. Uh, and the Penguins have, I think the players that the Penguins have, Adam, that play that role uh, are better than the ones that the Capitals have. Uh, but but the, ideal, the idea behind the game here is going to be the same. Uh, I think you're going to see uh, a lot of situations that are going to you know, require guys to, to put their work boots on uh, and go get loose pucks. Uh, and just as, as for as much as these two teams will trade chances, uh, I think that each of them can equally be as difficult to deal with once they establish possession in the offensive zone. The way they cycle, the way they activate their defense, uh, th- those are things that lend themselves to sort of high event hockey. Uh, and I think that we're, we're due for a lot of it uh, just based on the stylistic approaches that these two teams play. We're joined by Jesse Marshall of The Athletic here on The Crowley Show. John Carlson has been really good for the Capitals. I think the last two playoff series they played, he's at least scored some big goals for him, and then his celebrations make you want to punch him in the eye. How good was he in that first series, and what do you think about the pairing with him and Kempney? Well, you know, and here's the thing, Adam. I think that, that you, know, you look at them playing offense, uh, and it's hard to argue with their results. I think they've been very good uh, playing offense, pinching into the play, starting the rush, getting the puck out of the zone on their own. Uh, defensively, that really hasn't been the case. Uh, I, think, I think they've had poor depths. Uh, I think their pinches have, are sometimes ill-timed. And I think when you get them into odd man rush situations, um, you know, uh, one of the wildest goals of this postseason was John Carlson on all fours, just spinning around mm-hmm. like a top in front of his goaltender. Uh, that, that's a microcosm of, of what their, their life has been like defensively. So uh, they, you can take advantage of that. And, and, again, I think the Penguins have 
kind of trademarked this style of play at him. I think the, the way a lot of these teams in the postseason are playing, uh, I think they got the idea from Mike Sullivan. Uh, so the Penguins are going to be very comfortable, I think, with this pace and the way this series is going to be played. Uh, and I think if they can, they can turn defense into offense, they can put guys like Carlson in, in compromising situations. Uh, advantage Penguins when it comes to the coaching here, Jesse? Oh, absolutely. I, I would say that same statement out of about any series the Penguins are going to play from this point to the Stanley Cup final. I don't think that there's anybody until Mike Sullivan loses Adam. How are you going to go against? Yeah, him? right. I mean, everything. Yeah, everything he's touched has turned to gold. I think right now, and, and it to to not to be Mike Sullivan and not even get a mention in the Jack Adams conversation. I'm just going to grind an axe real quick. It's absolutely absurd to me uh, to take a team into the playoffs the way he did for the third straight year uh, to be able to keep a team motivated the way he has uh, to way to you know to, to have them pace themselves in the appropriate fashion. The lineup magic, uh, that, that to me really skip, tips the scales here again. And, and, you know, I think what might happen, Adam, depending on how the series starts, uh, there, there's been a lot of focus on Barry Trotz. There's been a lot of focus on the way that Barry Trotz has the Capitals playing hockey. Uh, you might see him try to step outside of his comfort zone in this series if things don't go well. Uh, that pressure is very we- real. Um, you know, we've seen the Penguins make quick changes on the fly. We haven't seen the Capitals do it yet. Uh, and I think that if, uh, you know, he, he has this team uh, heading in a direction that they haven't really headed in all year long and changing things up, altering the way they play defense or their breakout, I think that could play into the Penguins' favor. Uh, you know, again, with, with the Penguins are, are, are who they are. Um, you know, I, I, I think they're very comfortable in their identity. I question whether or not Washington would be if they were down, say, 2 nothing in this series. Yeah, that's a really good point by you. And I like the fact that the Penguins start this series, in fact, on the road because – if they're able to win one of those games in Washington and shift some of the pressure back to the Capitals, I do think that that could be very difficult to overcome. Barry Trotz has never been out of the second round. Alex Ovechkin's never been out of the second round. And I think some of that stuff gets overblown. But at the same time, almost to a man other than Trotz last year, after Game 7, they were saying that they were gripping the sticks a little too tight. It's a pressure cooker, and I think it's tangible just watching it on television. I think you, you can you can sense it in the arena just by taking in the game on TV. Uh, you know, uh, e- even when the Capitals go up two nothing in a game, Adam, those fans are sitting on their hands waiting for something bad to happen. Um, you know, I, I have, have colleagues uh, and friends that are Capitals fans, that were, you know, texting me last night up five to two, saying, "I can't believe this isn't over yet." There's two minutes left in the game. I mean, it's, it's you know, it, 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 it's in their heads. I mean, there's no way it's not. Um, and you know, I know Alex Ovechkin's comment. You know, we're looking forward to it. Uh, I don't see how he is. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's looking forward to the challenge, but, uh, the, you know, the Penguins have changed that team single-handedly at him over the course of the last two years. And if, if, if they did it a third time, you have to wonder uh, how drastically the landscape of this Metropolitan Division could change uh, by proxy of the Capitals being eliminated in the same fashion three years in a row. Well, it's just that, right? The Capitals have been eliminated by the Penguins the last two years you got to think that they're thinking, all right, we, we know how to beat them now this third time. It's almost like they've inched closer each time. Overtime in Game 6 two years ago, last year Game 7. This year, what, overtime in Game 7? Is that how it's going to go? Yeah, and, and, and this is something that even transcends eras. Um, I remember, you know, as somebody who's in their early 30s, and I was a kid, uh, and me and my friends were playing hockey out on the street, uh, and it was uh, springtime and the weather was getting warm. We were, you know, it was Penguins versus Capitals. You know, that's the way you grew up, um, you know, watching Mario Lemieux, uh, you know, uh, just get the best of that franchise year after year. 
and to see it continue into the second generation. Um, hockey's a weird sport. Sometimes things like that happen, and they're not explainable. Um, and, and this is just one of those situations that uh, is one of those weird hockey things. If Malkin plays, who you got? If Malkin doesn't play, who you got? Uh, if Malkin plays, I've got the Penguins in seven games. Um, I, I, I would say six, but I just feel like there's, they're going to give one away defensively at some point. I just think I'm in condition to feel that way. Uh, but I'm going to take the Penguins in seven. If he plays, if he doesn't play, uh, I think it's a coin flip that falls in the Caps' favor. Awesome stuff, man. As always, thanks a lot. And hopefully by the next time we talk, they'll actually be playing hockey, but God only knows. Yeah, hey, take it to Saturday, Adam. Give the Penguins all the time off they can handle. Yeah, without a doubt. Thanks a lot, Jesse. Thank you. There he goes, Jesse Marshall of The Athletic. Seriously, though, play on Saturday for a couple of reasons. Friday, I'm at the draft. Well, they're not going to play Friday because the Wizards are playing. Thursday, though, eh, give Malkin a day or two. Eh, so it's not just a couple of reasons. It's the health of the Penguins. Uh, let it go till Saturday so the Penguins can get healthy, and then they can beat up on these Washington bastards. Coming up next, have the Capitals really learned? It's ESPN Pittsburgh. What the hell was that? Checking the mic mid-commercial? That's just Tom not doing his job. I can't put it any other way. He controls the mics. I mean, we just sit here. We're having a conversation like we off. And they just go on and off. Haphazardly. Is mine on now? Thanks, Tom. Jeez. 412-922-24 is the number to call. For the love of God, Tom. <laughs> Give your hand away from the uh, button, Tweet man. me at Gore Adam Crowley. Steve in Phoenix next up on the show. Hello, Steven. Hey, how you doing? Good talking to you again. Yeah, good to talk to you. What's up? Well, I just wanted to give my one uh, reason why we're going to beat the Caps. Yeah. First, I wanted to give a shout-out to uh, the other 700% that are making this show great. You. Yes. You're a snowflake, uh, Steven. We appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so, the one reason we're going to beat the Caps, and I think any Penguins fan can boil it down to this. I think it's Mike Sullivan. And we can talk all day about matchups, injuries, and all that. Until Sullivan loses a damn playoff series, I don't see any reason why we can't beat anybody we got to play, no matter who's now. I, I mean, barring like Crosby and Malkin or something like that. But You know what, Steven? I, I like it, and I appreciate the call. Keep keeping on, brah. Snowflakes. Hashtag 700%. I... I think Washington's got a really good chance to win this series. I really do. But Steven's right. I can't pick them. I can't pick them. I can't. My mind's telling me, oh, it's going to be Washington. They're going to score some goals because the Penguins' defense core is not great. They might have a game or two where they're subpar. But I've talked about this a bunch. The Penguins have flaws. They have issues. They've got problems. So does everybody else. Uh, Boston looked like the greatest team in hockey, maybe of all time, and all of a sudden they lose two straight games to a Maple Leaf squad, and now there's a game seven. 
The Columbus Blue Jackets are up two games to nail. Everyone's talking about, oh, the Capitals are done. It's over. See you later. Sell the farm. Ovechkin traded. Peace. And then they lose four in a row, and the Capitals win four in a row. Hockey's weird AF, yo. And there are a lot of flawed teams. And if we're going to pick a flawed team to win it, why not the Penguins? They're all flawed. Why not pick Pittsburgh? So I will reluctantly pick the Penguins, even though my mind's telling me it's going to be Washington. But I haven't seen it yet. And the Penguins have not lost a series with Mike Sullivan at the helm. I don't even know what a handshake line would look like with Crosby dejected anymore. Those memories are so far gone, man. There's this notion that the Capitals have learned how to overcome adversity, right? I've got a buddy. He knows a bleep ton about hockey. Very well might know more about hockey than I do. That's the funny thing about us sports radio talkers. We pretend like we know everything. We don't always know everything. I just have a microphone in front of my face. And I'm entertaining as all get out. And I'm sexy. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. I've got a buddy who was saying last night, I think the Capitals finally learned how to battle through the adversity. And he's not the only person who thinks that. I saw so many, dozens of hockey writers, national and otherwise, saying, oh, man, maybe the Capitals finally got over their hump. Maybe they finally learned how to win when their backs are against the wall. And, hey, guys, in order for the Capitals to lose in the second round every single year, they first had to win in the first round. This isn't them getting over a hump. This is them doing what they always do, winning in the first round. And let me just remind you of of a thing here. Last year, playoffs, round one, the overmatched and overwhelmed Toronto Maple Leafs, the upstart young bucks that wear that leaf on their jersey. They didn't have a chance to beat Washington, right? Washington, one of the best teams in hockey, the Maple Leafs, eh. Talented, but young. They don't have a chance. And they got up two games to one on Washington. Washington, though, they battled through all the adversity, right? Their backs are against the wall. They clawed tooth and nail to win the series. Wait a second. So they learned how to do it last year? Then why didn't they do it last year? It's the same thing as last year. It's just this year. It's always the same thing as last year, just this year for Washington. In fact, that's what their hashtag should be. Always the same thing as last year, but this year. Not hashtag all caps. Hashtag it's always the same as last year, just this year. They haven't learned anything. They haven't overcome enough for me to say, oh, this team can reach the mountaintop. They're the capitals. They won a series. They win one every spring. And then they lose to the Rangers or the Penguins, and it's done. They're done. It's over. Penguins at four. It took me 51 minutes to go from, oh, the Capitals have a real good shot, to, oh, it's over. They're done. FYI, I was right about the Jackets, too. Oh, I don't want to see the Penguins play the Jackets in round one. They're tough. They're good. They've won 13 to 16. Yeah, well, in the four of the last five of those down the stretch, they were down three goals and came back to win. They weren't playing great hockey. They weren't playing great hockey at all, really, throughout the year. They won a bunch of games at the end of the season, 
And good for them, but that wasn't going to be good enough to get it done in the playoffs. They were flawed, tremendously, tremendously flawed. And in fact, they didn't lead going into the third period in any games that series. So they're not good. And Washington's good, but it's the same thing as last year, just this year. It's time to get pucked up with some of the best damn hockey talk on the planet. You go to the box, you know, uh, you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. This is the 5-Minute Major with Adam Crowley. I love what Jesse Marshall said. If the Penguins have Malkin, he's picking the Penguins in 7, wants to go 6. If the Penguins don't have Malkin, he thinks it's a coin flip with it favoring the Capitals. So Marshall's got a lot of faith in the Penguins' ability to get this thing done. Uh, I'm up in the air, even though the Penguins are going to win in four, obviously. I think Malkin's health is really what this series hinges upon. The Penguins somehow survived last year without Sidney Crosby. God only knows how they did that. Well, actually, I do know they had a lot of depth. They've got depth this year. They've got a better center, I think, to put in his spot, Evgeny Malkin's, if he's not going to be there, in Derek Broussard. But... The Capitals are the one team that matches up down the middle with Pittsburgh. If the Penguins played Columbus without Malkin, I think that they'd have a pretty good chance to still win the series. If they're going to play Washington, which they are, without Malkin, well, yikes. And Haglund's absence should not be overlooked either. If we're going to talk so much about the health of one Evgeny Malkin, we better mention Carl Haglund in the same breath. He's not as good of a hockey player, certainly. But he's first on pucks. He's a bastard to play against. He's one of the best penalty killers, not just on the team, but in the league. And therein lies the rub, right? The Washington Capitals' power play is devastating. And that's why Columbus didn't wind up winning that series. They put Washington on the power play 27 times. One of the best in the league. They've got Oshie, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, and Carlson. That is as good as it gets. You need Carl Hagelin to be there to defend that. You need his speed to be able to close on Alex Ovechkin. You need his threat of going the other way to score a shorthanded goal to be something that's cognizant in the back of the minds of these Washington Capitals players because if that threat's not there, they're just going to wheel and deal that thing all around the ice. And it's not going to go well. So I'll amend my pick. Penguins in four with Malkin. Penguins in five without him. Coming up next, we've got a eulogize, a mass casualty situation. The Blue Jackets, the Devils, the Avalanche, all done. All going downhill for those Avalanche. I'm sorry. I'll hold it together for another couple of minutes. Sorry, dude. I can hold it together. I can hold it together. That's next. Crowley Show.